Well, it's that time again. Sunday night teaching. When I had us involved in a ministry, the base was in Ohio. Every Sunday night, they had a teaching. Now, the man who taught me, he had tapes, he had teachings, but it seems like Sunday night was always our favorite time to listen. Now, yours is Saturday or Monday morning. Tea party. This is your host, Mystic Guide, Enlightenment Radio. We enlighten you with the scriptures. We enlighten you with the truth. We enlighten you with the map to guide you to the verses that reveal the truth, and you determine whether it's the truth. I don't sit here and say, I have the truth, I have the corner of the truth, and follow me. <laughs> right, so tonight we're going to be teaching on sort of a follow-up of last week. I hope you listened last week. It was a real myth buster because it's a myth that water baptism is in the uh, our acts or what we're supposed to be doing in order to be saved, in order to be, it's part of salvation. Well, that's not true. We learned that it was John the Baptist who baptized in the Jordan River because there was much water there, <laughs> much water. And we also learned, I will review, that everyone in Judea was baptized. Everyone in all Jerusalem came, and they were all baptized. So if you read these verses, put them together, it indicates to me that they were already all water baptized. Okay? You get the picture? And it was in a river in the middle of the Judean desert. So there was lots of water. You cannot baptize 3,000 people in a pond. Not, not in one day. I've got pictures of them water baptizing people in horse troughs <laughs> or, or uh, windmill, those windmill uh, containers with the water. Horse troughs, too. So tonight I'm going to, I wanted to add a little bit to that last week, but you know what? I'm going to expand upon it and show you the spiritual part, the spiritual part. Now, you must remember when Jesus Christ, there's going to be two things I want you to remember. The words decomai and the words lambano. Lambano. Those are two Greek words, the same translation received. The Greeks had many words for our one word, say the word wind. Uh, they have seven words, different words for the word wind. So in this case, they have two words for the word receive, decomai and labano. And then I want you to remember that the keys to the kingdom, Jesus Christ promised to give Peter the keys to the kingdom. Now, in this case, it's metaphorically. Peter doesn't have a key in his hand and opens the door to the kingdom of heaven. They have a lot of jokes about that. You know, the harp and the angels and Peter's up there greeting you at the gate. Uh, it's just metaphorically. 
what it is is Acts 2.38. When the day of Pentecost finally came, remember they kept saying the kingdom of God is coming, it's near. And they all were in the temple, and they all started speaking in tongues as God gave them the utterance. Flaming tongues of fire were upon them, and the sign, the ghost sign, they went. And everybody there heard them speak in their own language the wonderful works of God. Now, that was the phenomena of Pentecost. It is not guaranteed that when you speak a foreign language or your spiritual language that everyone will understand. Matter of fact, it's, that would be very rare. And then a lot of people teach that that was foregoing on the mission field and all of these myths. No, it was the only evidence in manifestation of the reality and truth that the gift of Holy Spirit was now in you. So, there, because speaking in tongues was not available before the day of Pentecost. So it's the only evidence you have of the new birth within you. And I'm not saying if you don't, that you don't have it. I'm just saying if you do, you know you do have it. <laughs> you got the baby. So I'm going to expand on a few things where they continue to use that word baptized throughout the book of Acts. And, but they misread it and misinterpret it. Now, the keys to the kingdom. Let me read it from my chapter here, just a portion of it. This power is the same today as it was on the day of Pentecost. It is the power of the resurrection. And if I be lifted up, I will attract all who are seeking unto me. God, truth, and spiritual power are available for those who are truly seeking today. Jesus entrusted Peter with the keys to the kingdom. In Matthew 16, 19, he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In order to enter a spiritual kingdom, which is heaven, you're going to need a spiritual keys. <laughs> In order to enter a spiritual kingdom, heaven, you're going to need spiritual keys. John 10, 9 says, I am the door. If anyone enters me by, by me, I, he will be saved. Saved is the Greek word sozo, to be made whole. Doesn't mean to be rescued. Flesh and blood, body and soul, needs to be born of the spirit, to be complete, to be made whole. Understand? That's why it's the word whole. To be complete. So Jesus Christ is the door to the kingdom of heaven, and Peter has the keys. He gave us the keys to the kingdom in Acts 2.38. Listen up. When they asked him, after his long dissertation, he stood up and said, they said to him, what must we do? So here are the keys. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of Holy Spirit. That's it. The keys to the kingdom. Now let's decipher the code to the keys. Oh, I didn't tell you the keys are in the lockbox with the code. No problem. <laughs> I'm your guide, and I have the map. Remember? 
So briefly, I'm just going to go. Repent is a mental decision to change course. To be to be baptized in this case means born again because Jesus told them, John truly baptized before with water, but you shall be baptized in Holy Spirit. Why don't they get that? Peter's not talking about water. He's not asking them to go to the Jordan 50 miles away. He's not asking them because there's just a little pond there. It means born again, begotten, endued with power from on high, the promise of the Father. Do you see water in this verse? Then quit adding water. Sorry to crash the pool party, but this is the 2.0 version. It's 100% spiritual. That's our topic tonight. This is 100% spiritual. Upgrade your thinking and uninstall false teaching. This is the key to the spiritual kingdom is an act of God. His creative energy, not a bathtub. <laughs> they installed at the pulpit. Be baptized, every one of you, with his christening energy. Now, I will stop there at that particular point. Now, now do you get the picture? Peter says... Repent, change course, and be baptized spiritually. You can actually take, and I've done it, you can actually take, in, with the exception of one or two verses, that word baptized and replace it with the word born again. That's right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go through every place in Acts where it's, the, it's used the word baptized. And then I'm going to get to the details of each incident. So there's about, about 10 of them here. So in Acts 1.5, John truly baptized with water, but you should be baptized in Holy Spirit. That speaks for itself. Baptized with water or baptized with spirit. There's the transition. There's the change. There's the shift because Jesus ascended and poured out the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.38, we just read. Be baptized, every one of you. All right. Now, this is where the word decomai and lambano confuse people, confuse the, the, the theologians even. Because he says, and be baptized. Now, if that means born again, okay, so let's say it means born again. And be born again, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of Holy Spirit. Now, wait a minute. If he's going on to say you shall receive the gift of Holy Spirit, that's like saying, well, you're going to get born again. No, because of the word receive. The first time he says baptize. Okay, that's born again. The second time Receive into manifestation that which you were just born again with, the gift of Holy Spirit. Let me repeat that. I want that clear. To be baptized here, Peter means born again, every one of you. And to be born again is of the Spirit. And you shall receive the word lambano. You shall manifest that gift you were just born again with of Holy Spirit. Okay, Acts 2.41. Then they gladly received his word and were baptized, born again. 
In the same day, there were added unto the church 3,000 souls. They were born again. There's no water. Acts 8, 12. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, born again. Replace it with the bird, bird word born again, and you'll be correct every time. Acts 8.13, then Simon himself believed. Also, he was a sorcerer. And when he was born again, he continued with Philip and wandered beholding the miracles and signs that were done. Acts 8.16, for as yet, uh, this answers a question about the Holy Spirit. They had not, many miracles were done there. But they decamite. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Only they were born again in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, so the word baptize again means they were born again, but they weren't manifesting. They had not lumbanoed yet. So we'll get to that in a minute. Well, that was on... Uh, and they went on their way. They came unto a certain water. And the, oh, this was the, this was the eunuch. Now, like I said, there's no there's no one case in the entire book of Acts where an apostle baptizes anybody in water, not one. But uh, the eunuch was with Philip, who was a disciple. He was not an apostle. So we'll let the um, Acts 8.36 go. Acts 8.38, he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down to the water, and Philip, and the uh, eunuch, and he was baptized. Now we're talking water, because he didn't know any better. He had not been led down to further enlightenment. <laughs> Acts 9.18, that's the only time you'll see water involved. And immediately there fell from his eyes as if it had been scales. This is talking about Paul. And he received his sight. Remember, he got blasted off the horse when Jesus confronted him. He arose and was baptized. Not water. He was born again. A lot of people think he was born again on the road to Damascus. That's not true. He was later born again when he met uh, what was his name? Saul? Acts 10.47. Peter says, Can any man for forbid water, and this should not be baptized, who received the Holy Spirit just as we? We're going to talk about that in a minute. And it goes on and on. Then uh, he remembered in Acts 16, she was baptized and her household. It's the word born again. And he took them, Acts 16, the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, just because there's washing and a little water going on. He was baptized and his all his house. It means born again. Acts 18, 8, Crispus and the chief ruler of the synagogue believed. They believed on the Lord with all their house, and many of them Else also hearing believed and were baptized, not with water, 
born again spirit. Acts 19, 3. And they said, uh, and he said, unto them, unto what then were you baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. Now, this is another thing I have to straighten out when I read it, get to it. So when they heard this, they were baptized and they were born again in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay? So those are the instances where the word baptized is used in the book of Acts. In order to clarify, I'm now going to go to each instance and describe what happens. The spiritual baptism that takes place throughout the book of Acts and how it has nothing to do with water, which is what they practice today and which they teach today, and it's a false teaching. So let's take a moment to pray. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ for what we are about to hear, that it will illuminate, enlighten the eyes of those who are seeking that we will dispel tradition of water throughout these 2,000 years, that it's really been the gift of the Holy Spirit that we're baptized with, the gift, a gift. And it's not the giver either. Father, we thank you for the words we're about to hear, the scriptures we're about to read, and that they will sink into our hearts and minds and become enlightened. So following the day of Pentecost, there were 12 apostles who had received the original outpouring and Peter's leading about 3,000 souls to be added to the church. Now we will chronologically follow the instances of believing, resulting in the signs of Mark 16, 17. Remember, they will uh, go baptizing them in my name and they shall uh, speak in tongues heal the sick, and uh, cast out spirits. Basically what Mark 16 says. The growth Jesus promised in Acts 1. Remember he said they would start in Jerusalem, go out to Judea, then Samaria, and then to the uttermost part of the earth. And the keys to the kingdom given in Acts 2.38. So the next event is the lame man healed at the temple gate called beautiful this is the next instance and peter and john beginning in act three because of the special circumstances i would like to reveal the deeper hidden revelation in this miracle at a letter play letter place in this chapter so hopefully i'll get to it in this teaching but that's a special special event so in Jerusalem, let's proceed, Acts 4.4. 4. Howbeit many of them who heard the word believed, and the number of men was about what? 5,000. Again, how do we know? They spoke in tongues, lambanoed, as promised in Acts 2.38. Remember, now we're following the template, the pattern. Repent, and ye shall be baptized. Born again, and ye shall lambano into manifestation, the gift of Holy Spirit. The believing the word equals receiving the signs and manifestations, confirmation of the word believed. It's that simple. Jerusalem, 
Acts 5, 12 through 16. We're moving along now. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Trust me, Solomon's porch did not have enough water to baptize 5,000 men. And of the rest did no man join himself to them. But the people magnified them, and believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, multitudes both of men and women. So now we know the women are involved, so don't keep the women out of the picture. And they've been involved the whole time, it just first time it says it. Believers were added instantly, both men and women. Now, I don't know if there were women before this. See, I always teach me ahead of my reading. I just assumed there were. However, here it specifically states women. If two of the signs were present, then obviously was the third speaking in tongues. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them in the beds and couches, that at the least of the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities around about Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them who were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were what? Healed, every one. That was at the hands of the apostles at Jerusalem. The following confirms Jesus foretelling the expansion into Samaria and the miracles were done by the disciples. Acts 6, 2 through 7. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, It is not desirable that we should uh, leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look about you, find seven men of honest report, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. We don't want to do dishes. <laughs> We don't want to do the cooking. We just want to go out and uh, speak and preach the word, expound upon it. We want somebody else to clean the tables. <laughs> so they found these men and saying, the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmias, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. A proselyte was a converted Gentile. Whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased. Increased. And the number of disciples weren't added. This time it says the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem. You see the expansion of the church here? First they added 3,000 that first day, then about 5,000 men, and then the women now are saying that the disciples were not only added, they were multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Well, what do you know? The faith was a new term for the close-knit family initiated into the mystery. The faith, they called it. The faith. You have the faith. Now, not only was the emphasis on adding to the growth, but it increased rapidly and multiplied. Now comes this following verse that blows all this current myth today that only the apostles perform miracles. I've heard pastors say that. Only the apostles did the miracles. Miracles can't happen today. It was only done by the apostles. Yeah, 
God gives us nine manifestations of power, but we're not supposed to use it. And the word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied. I've been there. Faith is the new term for the mystery. And Stephen, full of grace. Now, he's a disciple, not an apostle. Did great wonders and miracles among the people. So don't tell me it's just the apostles. I showed that guy that verse the other day. He goes, oh, I didn't know that. Stephen was a disciple. Okay. These seven were chosen, rose up to be mighty men of God because they were energized by the gift of Holy Spirit in them with signs and miracles following. This disproves the naysayers that falsely teach that the miracles were only done by the apostles. These disciples were, one, they were born again, they spoke in tongues, full of Holy Spirit, Acts 6.3. Two, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, doesn't say the doctrine of the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, does it? It says the Apostles' Doctrine, Acts 2.42. Acts 3, daily with one accord, gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor. Four, the word church in Acts was a movement, not a religion, a spiritual movement of God in Christ. Today, the church is a religion. The Christian church is, in reality, the Trinitarian church religion. Look under the statement of faith. All are Trinitarian and are worded as such. All are Trinitarian and are worded as such. Following the progression geographically and chronologically, we begin in Acts 7, where Stephen, remember, he's a disciple, full of grace and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. The religious leaders disputed with him, but could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Remember, that's why they chose him, full of wisdom and spirit. So they did not. So they did what they do today with people who display truth and power. They lie. Get false witnesses. Call them heretical or cults. Then attack the messenger. Same old template. Or the extreme punishment. The Sanhedrin stoned him to death. The death of Stephen was very costly to the Lord. As it was spoken, he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. That's after they stoned him to death. Jesus originally sat down when it was finished earlier, but he is seen standing. Symbolic of the immensity of Stephen's loss to God. You see what he did? He confronted all these Sanhedrin. He confronted them with all their past sins and unbelief and traditions and ungodly ways. You see, people cannot pray, witness, or do anything for God after they're dead. That is why Psalm says, costly in the sight of God is the death of one of his saints. Not precious, as King James uses. It's not precious in God's sight. It's costly, the true translation. Death is not precious because you don't go to heaven when you die. It's costly because you are dead in the grave. So now the persecution moves them into the outer regions. See how that works? Now concerning Philip and Samaria, I'm going to list the order of Philip's travels in geographical order and chronological order. Luke listed the events of Philip in order of importance and significance, which is understandable. So as you look at a map, which is in my book, but you can't see it right now, so I'm going to describe it. It will help our understanding of this 
apparent digression, we start with the first opportunity given by God to test the waters, pun intended, since he was appointed with six others by the apostles in Jerusalem. Let's examine one other ingredient for teaching purposes. Before Philip's ministry in Acts 1, when Jesus told him, this shall be your witness of me first in Jerusalem. Then you can see the map in my book, Philip's Journeys. And them all in Judea, all them in Judea and Samaria, and after that, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. After Jerusalem comes Judea, according to Acts 5. It says Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Well, this cannot be chronologically or geographically in order. Jesus didn't say that was the order. Because Samaria is above Jerusalem. And because they have not gone unto Judea witnessing yet. The event spoken of in verse 26 is the more logical and the next geographical chronological step. Even though it's to the Gentile, it's not Gentile country. So what I'm trying to explain is there are times in Acts, uh, there are times in the Word, Gospels, where the chronological order of things are not in order as they actually happened. And the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goes down from Jerusalem and the Gaza, which is desert. You know what the word uh, Palestine means? Where they got the word Palestinian or Palestine? It's from the word Philistine. (laughs) King Saul was told to annihilate Every one of the Philistines, their families, their wives, their children, their animals, and everything. He said, wipe them out, because he knew they were going to be a thorn in their flesh for the rest of their lives. If they didn't, well, look what happened. King Saul didn't obey him. And look at the results. And the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, arise, go to Gaza. For Philip starting in Jerusalem, this would make sense. Gaza is in Judea. The Philip's Journeys map in the previous page illustrates my point. So Judea, after water baptizing the unit, Philip was carried away in a mystical experience and found preaching at Azotus. All of a sudden, he just, bam, disappeared. But he was found, where? Experience found preaching at Azotus and all the cities along the way to Caesarea. So that would be way south, and then he would start heading north. Is upward getting closer to Samaria. Now it makes sense. Acts 8, 39 through 40, he is now more experienced as God is preparing him to open the door for the next promised wave, Samaria. Here he will have to be more spiritually polished. Not only to take on the Samaritans, but the devil's own Simon the sorcerer. Yep, Simon the sorcerer. He gave them a heck of a time. I'm on the wrong thing there. Okay, there we go. 
And the angel of the Lord, let's go down to Judea, Samaria. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria. He went down because he was in Caesarea, where he was preaching, not Jerusalem, and preached Christ unto them. Notice here, he preached Christ unto them, whereas with the eunuch, who was reading from the prophet Isaiah regarding the suffering, humiliation, and the life was taken. This is concerning Jesus only, the humiliated one in the flesh. Hence, the immature water baptism took place because the Ethiopian eunuch was a Gentile. This is where people are stuck, at the foot of the cross and water, the incomplete one, whereas the preached Jesus Christ, the preached Christ, in all his fullness and glory unto the Samaritans. So Philip grew in that stature also. Acts 8, 6, And when the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip taught, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did, Mark 16, 17, is alive here with two of the three of the signs prevailing, casting out spirits and healing. Also note that just the word says about Stephen, it says the miracles that he did. We know that the power comes from God, but it is not egotistical or unorthodox to say that the miracles he did. If the word says it, it means it. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip taught, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Mark 16, 17. That's right. And there was great joy in that city. And when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus Christ, they were what? Baptized. What does the word baptized mean? Born again. They didn't go find a huge body of water. They didn't need it. Why would you need it? They're already born again. They're preaching. The miracles are going on. They're healing. Come on. It does not say water like it did with the Ethiopian. If it meant water, it would have indicated water or say water. Now Philip has matured and gone beyond the humility and humanitarian of Jesus only, as spoken in Isaiah to the Ethiopian. Even though the Ethiopian came to believe Jesus Christ was the Son of God, Samaria is chronologically and geographically later. Now we know why Philip water baptized the eunuch, because that is as far as he went at the time. Does it make sense... That's what I'm trying to say. Does it make sense for him to go up to Samaria, do all those wonderful miracles, they all got born again, and then he goes down and finds a eunuch and water baptizes him? No, that's why it's in wrong chronological order, okay? Now, later in Samaria, he preached Jesus Christ, and they believed and were baptized, born again, parentheses, in the name of Jesus Christ, not water. However, Peter and John had to come down because it was unprecedented for them to believe be born again, and not spoken in tongues. This was probably due to the fact that it was a town bewitched by a sorcerer. It was the region of Samaria. And so let's read with more detail. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles, signs which were done. Again, no water. It's spiritual you see the spiritual movement of the first century 
People wonder why they can't be duplicated. Why can't we do the same movement? Why isn't the same power evidenced as it was in the first century? Well, first of all, you're using water. <laughs> now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received, I've got it underlined, received the word of God. They, now, it has to be the word dakamai. Okay, are you with me? Decomai means they had received the word of God. They had been born again to the, it's like filling a glass to the brim. They had received it, but they had not lambanoed it, had not manifested the gift of Holy Spirit or the word of God. They sent unto them Peter and John. They wanted to know what's going on. So here are the major key to understanding Acts 8 and the Samaritans' entrance into the kingdom. They received Decomai, the word. They received the spirit to capacity, which means they were saved. But because of the manifestation of speaking in tongues had not happened along with the other two signs, the big boys had to come down and look into this matter, who when they were come down prayed for them that they might receive Lambano, the Holy Spirit. This received accurately translated from Lambano. You see, this is where the evangelicals get mixed up. The evangelicals, you know, the other religions don't even believe in baptizing in the Holy Spirit, which they think is speaking in tongues. When they say evangelicals, are you been baptized? That doesn't mean have you been born again. They think, does that mean do you speak in tongues? So to them, baptism means speaking in tongues. So there's another myth. Baptism still means born again, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive, manifest the Holy Spirit that they were born again with. They prayed that they would receive into manifestation that which they had already received, Decamai. You see? See how the word fits when understood in the light of those two words? That's why the charismatics can't explain it. They laid their hands on them, and they received Holy Spirit. You know, no article the no caps. They lambanoed Holy Spirit. The word received is lambano. And when Simon saw through the laying on of the apostles' hands what was given, he offered them any. Well, what did he see? What did he see? When he saw, when they laid their hands on him, he saw something. What did they see on the day of Pentecost? They saw the apostles manifesting in tongues. So when they, Simon, the sorcerer, saw through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the spirit was given, he offered them money. It's not talking that the spirit was given for the first time. It means it was given in manifestation. Well, what did Simon see? Peter said, speaking in tongues in Acts 2. That which you now see and hear. Remember he said that? That which you now see and hear. Simon saw the speaking in tongues, lambanoing. The reason the apostles laid hands on them was to discern the cause. What a wonderful, precise explanation of what happened in Samaria. Acts 8 has always remained a puzzle to the church, but lambano is a major facet of the mystery. As far as Simon wanting this power, that whomever he laid hands on would lambano the spirit. Peter rebuked him because the gift 
referring to the gift ministry of an apostle, in this case, could not be purchased. Not the tongues was the gift Peter was referring to. It's a manifestation of the gift of Holy Spirit. After the great experience with Peter and John, I'm sure Philip had fully matured and all three signs were part of his mystery. Now we can truly say there is no water baptism in the book of Acts performed by the apostles, nor was it taught, nor was it preached outside of the one instance with the eunuch at Gaza, and that is because he requested it. Now, Apollos at Ephesus was one other instance, yet he too was corrected by Paul, led the Ephesians into speaking in tongues, as we shall see later. Water baptism was never carried out by the apostles, never once. I'll be back in a moment. listening to Enlightenment Radio along your journey for a purpose. To find your mission, travel to enlightenment-radio.com. There you will discover your highest spiritual path, then say goodbye to the Milky Way, where your new kingdom will be awaiting you. Here's the keys to Galaxy 9.
Isn't that beautiful? Just thought I'd throw a little guy swings in there. So back to the book of Acts. And they laid their hands on him, Simon the sorcerer. Let's go to the next step. <clears throat> now we're going to uh, the next instance of manifestation of Holy Spirit was Paul's conversion and his baptism of Holy Spirit with Ananias. That's his name. This we already covered in the first chapter, Acts 19, 19 17 Acts. I already covered it in the book. But basically what happens is Paul is filled to the overflowing and when he was blinded, <clears throat> he's told by the Lord, Ananias is told by the Lord that expect one of Paul to come seeking you, and uh, or Saul at the time. And Ananias said, Lord, he's, he's known for cutting off heads and killing Christians. The Lord said, he has a lot to do for me in sacrifice, so accept him. So when Saul was with him, he ministered to him, told him to rise up, and be baptized. And that's not with water, people. He got born again in the Spirit, not on the road to Damascus. I teach it in my book if you want to know it clearly. He was taught He was taught to uh, be baptized in the Spirit when he was with Ananias. Okay. So, we're now, this is, was no ordinary <clears throat> Gentile, as you can see. He and his household familiar with the God of Israel. Oh, now we're talking about Cornelius and Caesarea, my bad. There was a certain man of Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. My whole thing closed. Now, Cornelius, this was the chapter I was reading in the class, I swear. And as I, I was reading this as chapter 10, my favorite chapter, I started being filled in my head with the words, of God that I did not understand. I did not know what was going on. But I had no say in it. I mean, I didn't, wasn't taken over. That's not how it happens. But listen to this story. Now, Peter was told to go to Caesarea and a man named Cornelius. And so Peter obeyed him. A centurion of the band called the Italian Band. They were a good band. <laughs> They're on Capitol Records. A devout man and one that feared God with all his house, who gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, and the angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius? And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, The prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. You don't think your prayers aren't heard, people? Just give it some time. You know those people, Paul and Jesus and all of them prayed for us 2,000 years ago? I can't imagine what they prayed for. <laughs> but I'm starting to feel the change coming. This was no ordinary general, this uh, Cornelius. As you can see, he had his household, his family, and the God of Israel, from being a centurion, was visited by an angel and told to send to Peter. He immediately did as the angel told him. <laughs> How many people do you know have met an angel? No, no, I'm not going to do that. No. <laughs> you better do what that angel tells you. You know, you know they enforced the law. 
the angels were the ones who gave the oracles of the law and enforced the law for God. So once you see when some Israelite got smolted or smacked or dead, it was the angel doing it. And sent two servants and devout soldiers. On the next day, they went on their journey and drew near unto the, the city. Peter went up on the housetop to pray. And about the sixth hour, he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while he made ready, he fell into a trance. The Greek word for trance is ekastasis, which is translated astonished at amazement or elsewhere. It does not mean a state of unconscious or semi-conscious, or it implies in English. Although a truly mystical experience, Peter was very much in full awareness during the vision and saw heaven open and certain vessels descending upon him as it had been great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. That mystical experience would bother the heck out of me. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Lo, not, lo, not me, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean or not kosher. <laughs> and the voice spoke to him again. The voice, it says, for the second time. What God has cleansed, that call not thou common. I love that verse because so many people go along and say, man, that guy is not saved. He can't be. Look at his lifestyle. You know, maybe at one time. But what God has cleansed, how can you judge and say that that man is not saved, he's not clean, because he's not perfect, because he doesn't act like a Christian that's supposed to act like in this world? Don't you call that man unclean just because you're judging him not perfect this is what god had what god has cleansed don't you call common that's what i'm getting at i use that all the time to point the finger at people who are judgmental this was done three times and the vessel was received up again into heaven now while peter contemplated himself that what this vision which had seen should mean behold the men who were sent from Cornelius, had made inquiry of Simon's Peter house and stood before the gate. <laughs> Just as he comes out of this vision, they're at his gate. Talk about timing. Here, God's perfect timing again. Peter is about to know full well what the vision pertained to, going to the witness to the Gentiles that were considered unclean and not associate with the Jew. This still at this time, they were not considered clean. And remember, Jesus kept saying, don't go among the Gentiles. Well, no, he said you would go. After lodging there, they went to the house of Cornelius and a certain brethren accompanying them, Peter, as witness. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and unworshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together and said unto them, You know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come into another nation. Therefore I came unto you without delay as soon as I was sent for. I asked therefore, of what intent you have sent for me. Peter is just as perplexed as Cornelius, perplexed as Cornelius, yet they both know the way of God and the following his command. Immediately, therefore I sent for thee, and thou... Now listen to this story, how it goes. The next sentence is key to understanding what is about to happen. Now therefore we are all here present before God to hear all things 
that have been commanded of thee of God. Remember that, to hear all the things that have been commanded of thee of God. When we you ask Peter for all that has commanded, you must be prepared for a long sermon and very detailed. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that fears or reverences him and works righteousness is accepted with him. Did you hear that? So what am I supposed to make of that verse? When you say, well, what's going to happen to these people that uh, aren't born again and they're going to die? They're all going to go to hell? Is that what you're saying? That's not what this word says. Look, it says here, in every nation, he that fears or reverences God and works righteousness is a good person, is accepted with him. Doesn't say he's going to the kingdom of heaven. It just says he is accepted. That's all I'm saying. Keep that in mind, because I don't condemn or judge any of these people. That's God's business. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, which was what? Water. You see, Peter's having to repeat the whole thing because he's having to repeat what God originally commanded the apostles to do. They were commanded to go get water baptized at one time. So he's commanding this Gentile and repeating everything that he was taught. So Peter continues, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Spirit and with water, with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him, and we are witnesses of all these things which he did both in the land of the Jews and Jerusalem. And he goes on and on. To him he gave all the prophecies and witnesses through the name, and he goes on and on like Peter does. And just as Peter basically summarized the gospel of Christ and the keys to the kingdom, something profoundly wonderful transpired. While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all of them who heard the word. He didn't even have to say, repent and be baptized, every one of you. He didn't have to, he didn't have to give any type of born-again for him. Bam, Holy Spirit done. No one was missed. They heard the word to the point of believing. Then those six who accompanied Peter heard the first time. See, that's why Peter had them accompany him, so they would witness what would happen with these Gentiles and Peter wouldn't get in trouble back at the, back at home, you know. Gentiles manifesting the new birth. And they of the circumcision who believed, who were faithful, were astonished. As many as came with Peter because it on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of Holy Spirit. Here it can be the gift of Holy Spirit or the gift from the Holy Spirit God. Both have the same meaning. For they heard them speak with tongues and what? Magnify God. This was unprecedented for the Gentiles had now entered the kingdom of God. God, just as Jesus Christ had promised unto the uttermost part of the world. All this was being fulfilled. Is this a coincidence, people? No, this is what Jesus Christ said. He had God gave Jesus the foreknowledge, the vision to say that. Now comes the apparent confusion, and I will say it is a little bit confusing, but it straightens itself out. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water? You know, he gets so excited. He wanted to start a church when he was at the transfiguration. Can anybody, can we build a church here? <laughs> can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized who were, have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Here in Peter's enthusiasm, he's trying to cover all bases. For remember, Peter had started and gone back to the beginning of John's baptism and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. 
and Cornelius had requested all that God commanded thee. That's all I'm saying. Put this together, people. He also converted the Gentiles were water baptized, however. Uh, what I'm saying is also converted Gentiles were water baptized. Back in the days when before Jesus Christ was crucified and raised from the dead, uh, the, the Gentiles who wanted to become Jews, who wanted to become proselytes, they were water baptized also. After detailing every step, he concludes, and as I began to speak, Holy Spirit fell on them as a, uh, now he's down in... Um, He's down in Jerusalem. This is clarified in the next chapter when Peter was confronted by the apostles at Jerusalem concerning this event. Like the Jews down there, were, they were getting a little upset that these Gentiles were doing the same thing. Not born again. What's going on? And as I began to speak, Peter, he's explaining to them what happened. The Holy Spirit fell on them as it us at the beginning. He's got witnesses with him now. He's not alone. Then remembered I the word of the Lord. Here you go. How that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with Holy Spirit. For as much then as God gave them the like gift, as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. What a wonderful truth. They held their peace that all their lives were subject to resenting and being repelled by the Gentiles now to accept them into the kingdom of God with them. This was truly a monumental paradigm shift right here that Peter remembered the word of the Lord that water was no longer applicable and the greater baptism of the Spirit prevailed. That's what happened because he explained it the next day that he withheld it. So Peter completed his Acts 2.38, Mark 16 formula, and even though they had already lombanoed, he commanded them to be baptized. This is another great example of speaking in tongues accompanying salvation. The Spirit is the baptism. Water was never commanded by any of the apostles. Okay, now moving on to the church at Antioch. The next record of the rise and expansion due to the persecution takes place at Antioch an ancient city in Syria. Man, I was upset when they tore up that city recently in Syria because, you know, I, I'm almost sure there's probably some born-again original mystery Christians still there or signs of them, their art, their culture, something at Antioch. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice, Antioch, Cyprus, Antioch spake unto the Grecians, and the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. So now you have at Antioch a great number believed, confirming the word, the Lord Jesus, that was spoken by way of speaking in tongues, casting out spirits, and healing the sick. It was now unstoppable, and a spiritual movement sweeping the outer regions of God, regions God promised. The devil's own persecution backfired, especially now that Saul who became Paul, converted and joined Barnabas. The persecution was lifted, and the movement took off like a wildfire. Then tidings, these came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them with the purpose of heart. So we know what happened at Antioch. Let's move on. And when the Jews were gone, now the outpouring of the transition power to Paul's ministry is recorded in Acts 13. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that the words might be preached unto them the next Sabbath day. 
Now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word. This is how the word of God rapidly grew and expanded in the first century church. The Gentiles were hungry for God and this power of his word. People, stay hungry. You're going to receive. The next outpouring, as a result, the Jews were gone. In a, uh, Jews, to see. The next outpouring was in um, the next outpouring of Paul's ministry. And the Jews were gone out of the synagogue. Yeah, the whole city came together. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. They got bolder as they went along. I may skip a few cases here. Now they're at Lydia's place. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, glorified in the word of God. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Are you ordained to eternal life? <laughs> ordained to eternal life. I love that phrase. What a beautiful expression. And we know what happens when they believe. They get baptized in the Spirit, born again, manifest the Spirit, speaking in tongues, casting out spirits and healing. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. Now we're at Philippi. Lydia, Timothy, Silas, and Luke had accompanied Paul to Macedonia. Also, he received a vision to go there. They arrived at the chief city of Philippi and soon met Lydia and a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, the city of Thyatira, who worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul, and when she was baptized in her household, when she was born again. No water. She besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide here. That's Lydia's household. That's in Philippi. Now, because she lived near the river, then you are stuck, and you need to come over to the back to the beginning. It doesn't have nothing to do because she lived near a river. Now, the jailer, Paul and then were cast into the jail. After Peter cast out a devil spirit from a woman following and mocking him for days, and Silas were punished severely and put in jail. She was making money. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast into the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. <laughs> and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great what? Earthquake! So that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, everyone's hands were loosed, and the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. Why was he going to kill himself? Roman law would execute a guard for allowing prisoners to escape. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do, you, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light. Now, I guess he smoked camels. I don't know. And sprang in, and some trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The word is so-so. What must I do to be made whole? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Did he make any kind of complicated diatribe for half an hour like Peter did? <laughs> no. And you can see Paul's formula for salvation is simple and abbreviated, right to the point. It's also in Romans 10, 9, and 10. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and all that were in his house. They laid their lives out to every word that we said in the faith it was from the mouth of God. We do well to digest the simplicity in the scriptures in the same manner. Let me turn to the next instance. 
Thessalonica. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where it was a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul, as his manner was, went into them. Three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. God does not expect us to drop our logic and cognitive thinking skills in order to believe. His Word has designed us. He designed us. When taught properly, skillfully, and accurately, the Word can make perfect sense in an upside-down world. That would have you fooled into believing that the most illogical, senseless pieces to the puzzle that never fits. Opening and alleging that Christ had to suffer and be risen again from among the dead, and that Christ, whom I preach unto you, is Jesus, and some of them believed, and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. There we are at Thessalonica. Now we go to Berea. Berea, the same thing. They became, heard the word, and they believed. The next one is Athens. Athens. We're all over the place here in Acts. He's in Greece. Athens on Mars Hill. Now, while Paul waited for them, Silas and Timothy in Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. His spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Statues everywhere. The Greek gods were everywhere. You can feel this same heavy, dark, foreboding feeling while visiting certain areas around the world such as in India, who are heavily steeped in false gods. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with devout persons and the market daily with them that met him. This certain philosophers, they all sat around and philosophized of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. And some said, what will this babbler say? Others said, he seems to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Well, what better time and place to teach the Trinity if there ever was one? But Paul, the Greeks, the Romans, and their own Trinity, but Paul never taught it or believed in such a strange doctrine. Here he introduces Jesus, the man, and the resurrection from the dead. And they took him and brought him into asparagus. <laughs> no, his name is Arapagus saying, May we know what this new doctrine wherefore you speak of is. For thou being cert, uh, bring certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenian strangers who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear of some new thing. Then Paul stood in the middle of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. How much of that could be said of the world's religions today? Oh, the Muslims are so superstitious. Hindus, they're yeah, religion. You're super, they're superstitions. Uh, they're superstitions among Christians, Catholics, Jews, all of them. Superstitious. This is so true today of all religions. Too much superstition and not enough truth. Then Paul, for as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. Paul is being really smart here, is being led by God. The Greeks and Romans made sure they covered all their bases. In case there was a God they didn't recognize, here Paul wisely chooses this marker as an example of one true God. God that made the world and all the things that they're in. Listen to this. Seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples made with hands. We're not temples made with hands, are we, people? God dwells in us. Neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood 
all nations for men to dwell in the face of the earth. That means there is no such thing as racism, people. He's made of one blood, all nations. We're all of the same blood. And this division and the racism was even discovered by the chrome. What was that? chromosome project that there was no difference in the blood. DNA does not determine a race. There's no such thing. It's a skin color. It may be this or that, but it's no such thing as a race. If happily they feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. Yes, there are many more instances here in the book of Acts. I can't get to tonight. But the man at the temple gate, beautiful, is a great story. I don't know where I put it, but it's too long to read tonight. I just want to thank you for being patient and listening to this huge gap in our spiritual circles in the world today that water baptism is not happening in real time for spiritual new birth. It has, water doesn't save anybody. All through the book, I just showed you. If you translate the word baptized, born again, it fits everywhere. It fits everywhere. Because in the context, that's what it means. I feel sorry for these, even these evangelicals who go, well, have you been baptized in the Spirit? Not meaning that have you been born again, but have you been, are you speaking in tongues? It's all because of mm, small decamizing lambanos. I have a T-shirt that says Lombano. I used to have a bumper sticker on my car. said, if you can read this, you can read the Bible. <laughs> God bless you. Christ, Christ in you. Christ in a mission, missionaries. God bless you all for hearing and listening to this teaching tonight. This has been your host, Mystic Guide. We shall go out shortly with the voice of enigma. The eyes of truth are always upon you. God bless you. Be healthy, be happy, and love God and love his word. That's all I got to say. Put this in. Uh, it'll be on Spotify in a couple of days, and your language will be in captions. Love you all. God bless. Agape is the love of God. That's what it is, and that's what we have. That's what we show forth.